Welcome to the Maven Nation. Maven Nation, your tactical podcast to getting more, more, more or less with your host, Michael Andrew. Ladies and gentlemen, good morning. Michael the Maven here. I'm thrilled to bring a very special guest onto the show. If you work a nine to five job, especially if it's, uh, you know, like an entry level or if you're a teenager looking for work or you're looking to get started in your own business, I think this is it. I met Nick on Instagram. Uh, I was actually looking at Gary V's feed and there's an individual there who was just really, really good at flipping things. I, I think that's the right term. Nick Woolsey is on the show today. He is a is it okay calling you a professional flipper? Are you okay with that? Yeah, I've been uh, I've been calling myself that for a few months now, so I think it's okay. What? And thank you for coming on the show, by the way. I really appreciate you taking the time out of your schedule. I know you're busy. The reason why I love your feed, I, I don't know, there's some sort of satisfaction I get from seeing what you are up to every day. Like you, you, you post what you do and I see it. And I'm like, oh man, that's awesome. Good for him. Tell my viewers a little bit about flipping and how it works to start. Okay, so basically flipping is uh, you buy stuff for pennies on the dollar of what their resale value is and then sell them at full resale value. And I primarily target garage sales, estate sales, and uh, thrift stores and, uh, and, and just buy things really, really cheap. And then flip them on the internet using mainly eBay, uh, an app called Mercari, and an app called Poshmark. And they each sort of have their own uh, individual strengths. But those are the things that I do. I started out with five bucks, and now I'm spending several hundred every week buying stuff really cheap and selling it for full price. That is, to me, that's mind-blowing because this is your full-time job. Would you, would you ever consider going back to a nine-to-five employment type of situation? Uh, no, never. I, it's such a foreign concept and idea to me now thinking about going back to a day job, a nine to five, it doesn't even seem realistic. Isn't that, that, isn't that interesting? You know, and if, in, you know, the vast, there's this feeling of security, you know, everybody wants security to know that a certain amount of money is coming in. What are the advantages of being a flipper compared to having a nine to five job in your mind? So you can scale it as fast as you want. Um, I'm going really hard at it, but I know people that are are going slower at it. Um, so it's sort of up to you. You can be as big or as small as you choose. And then also I was thinking yesterday sort of about this question and that, you know, our economy is really strong right now as a whole. But if you listen to Tony Robbins, he says we're due for a correction in a year now. And My thought process is, you know, when a correction comes, it can really hurt a local economy. But if you're selling on the internet and you're able to ship to other countries with your reselling, you sort of break away from that local economy and you can, you can still sell to people that are maybe in a little bit better of a local economy in another part of the country or another part of the world. Mm -hmm. So that is, that's something that's really, really important to me um, because I don't want to be caught, you know, so to speak with my pants down when, the, when there's another correction or God forbid a recession or something like that. Right. So there, there's, there's definite flexibility in it as a business owner. If you're, if you're selling locally and 
you know, you're limited to the local customers. When you sell stuff on the internet, you're limited to whoever's on the internet. And tell us a little bit about uh, your background and how did you get into flipping? Um, so, man, I don't know. I think it started a couple of years ago whenever I was, I just needed some like side cash. I wanted to buy a camera lens or I needed to pay a bill. And so I started looking around my house finding things that I could sell on, uh, on eBay. I had dabbled with it in the past. And, um, around that same time, Gary Vaynerchuk started the 2017 flip challenge. And I was like, man, I'm going to get into this, got into it, started buying things off Craigslist, selling them on eBay, uh, mostly video games. And then that sort of dried up really fast. Uh, and so I dropped the ball and then starting 2018, I thought, you know, let me just get back into this and really put some effort into it and not just focus on one niche item like video games. Let's go like really broad. And so I've just been picking up anything I can get my hands on that has value and flipping it. And it, we've seen some really great success with it. So, and there are some things you've kind of become a specialist in. Like I've, I've noticed printer cartridges a lot on your feed is, is what is the deal with printer cartridges? That's crazy. I, I don't know. I mean, someone, I follow people on Instagram that are real big into reselling and someone posted something about printer cartridges. So I kept my eyes out and, um, there was actually one guy who's following me on Instagram because of Gary V and he contacted me and said, Hey, I work for this, this, uh, this business that is getting rid of all of our printer cartridges. We have huge industrial printers. Do you want them? I was like, yeah, I had all my money tied up in other things. And he said, uh, he said, make me an offer on him. I said, bro, all I got is, is 40 bucks cash. And he was local to me. I said, if you wait a few, a few days, I can give you like 75 or 100 bucks. And he said, no, 40 bucks is good. I really want to be a part of this. And so we met and he gave me these huge printer cartridges, uh, I think five of them for $40, so eight bucks a piece. And I listed them within one day. I sold two of them, I think for $226 for the both of them. That's crazy. Um, yeah, like like overnight, these things are selling. Um, kind of a small side note, my buddy who is having really good success bought some printer cartridges. I think he bought five of them for 19 bucks, 20 bucks. And uh, he sold them all in one in one 24-hour period for almost $500. Unbelievable. I don't know. That's crazy. Yeah. That, for some reason, printer cartridges go really well. So I never would have guessed that there's a thing for printer cartridges that 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 money could be made for with printer, you know. And so there's there's a number of other you know things. I, I notice you do a lot of Guitar Heroes. You know, it's a, a video game controller to play a, you know, that there is a market on eBay for Guitar Hero guitars. You know, and and you never would have guessed. And you know, the, the fascinating thing to me about flipping is the ability to see value where others do not. It's literally one man's trash is another man's trash. That's literally what you're doing right now is finding value in what people don't want. How do you determine what is valuable? You know, you walk into, I guess you go to Goodwill and some other store, but how do you figure out what has value or not? Um, I think for me, well, first off, this is something I tell everybody is that when you find something that looks like a potential purchase for you to resell, you must always check that it's actually selling on eBay recently. So mm -hmm. um, I'll research that item, uh, type it in the search bar, and then I'll switch on the sold filters and it'll show me what has sold in the past, I think three to four months, maybe 120 days. Mm -hmm. uh, if there's nothing that has sold in that time period, 
I generally will not take that home with me mm-hmm. uh, unless I know for a fact the value of that item and I'm willing to sit on it for four to six months. Um, if I can see that there are recent sales and it matches my criteria of at least three times the amount that I spend on it, then I will pick it up. But yeah, as far as like going in and finding things, uh, I look at things that sort of don't sit well in a thrift store. I look and say, you know, that doesn't really, why is that sitting here? That Hmm. doesn't look like a thrift store item. And so you pick them up, start looking at them and, you know, baseball bats are one, one thing, you know, metal baseball bats, you get these Louisville sluggers. They don't, they don't fit inside of a thrift store kind of motif Mm -hmm. and they generally go for 70 to 200 dollars that's this blows my mind now you you have a photography background you were at one point a photographer a wedding photographer right you i think you're a nikon shooter and um and so you were shooting weddings and that was good for you for a time and you know a lot of the gear that i use i end up selling you know so i'm like a specialist in photography that i know if i if i walk into a thrift store and i see a certain lens even a kit lens, you know, and it and it's selling for 10 bucks. Well, I know that kit lens is worth 120, you know, brand new. So there has to be some value in that. And I think that if people have specialized knowledge in certain things, it's a no brainer, you know, because if I don't know if you're an expert on tennis rackets, you know, some somebody might know that this kind of racket is worth this much. Um, one question for you is, was, is there anything else that you found besides printer cartridges that surprised you as having a lot of value? Is there something you discovered in the moment, you know, you're in, a, you're in a store, you're like, Hey, what is this thing? And you look it up and, Oh, it's worth a lot of money. You know? Uh, one thing that really sticks out in my mind are VHS DVD player combo kits. Um, it'll have a DVD player and a VHS all in one unit. And for some reason, those are selling really well as well as VHS, uh, players, VCRs. Uh, they do really well too. And, and a lot of people gave me heartache on this and they were saying these will never sell, huh. but you have to look at supply and demand. You know, they don't make VCRs anymore. Mm, and that's right. a lot of people my age, mm. you know, I'm in my thirties and, uh, I've got three little kids and I want to show them the VHS of all those <laughs> Disney movies that I grew up with. So, sure. uh, I think that nostalgia is really selling well right now. Interesting. So what does a normal day look like for you when you get started? A uh, normal day, I wake up, I immediately jump onto eBay, and uh, I pay my eBay fees first thing in the morning. This is so crucial to people that are getting into reselling. So if you're unfamiliar, when you sell something on eBay, they charge you 10% um, as a seller's fee. And so I pay mine every single day instead of waiting up till the end of the month and then having a $500 bill. Uh, once I do that, I look at what sold and I start my shipping process. I print my labels. I package my stuff. Uh, I'll run them to the post office. While I'm out, I'll swing by normally the uh, one of my thrift stores, maybe spend 20 bucks, maybe spend 200 bucks and pick up a bunch of merchandise, bring it home, uh, start photographing it. I have all the stuff set up to photograph and then uh, and then just start listing. And I try to list anywhere from 10 to 20 items per day on eBay. And then once all that's done, I start cross-listing, just using the information of things I posted on eBay. Uh, I start cross-posting over to Mercari and Poshmark, those same items. Mm-hmm. Uh, so to kind of give it a, a, an even broader field of, of potential buyers. 
how how long does it take to to list something on eBay? You know, if you're if you're talking about one item that you're gonna you know take a picture of and put the listing on, how much does it? How much time does it take to list that one item? Um, I think my fastest was a minute and a half, but generally, whenever I'm just kind of hanging out, taking it slow, about two minutes to two and a half minutes, I can do Nothing. twenty. Yeah, I can do twenty in an hour and a half. Uh, that that's once all the photos are are taken and optimized and you know downsized for for the internet and and then transferred onto my phone and that so there's sort of a process that gets you there mm-hmm. but I can do all of it within a couple hours so you basically you, you your store is basically stuff that you found and how long is there inventory that you sit on that it takes a couple months to sell or does what's the average time it takes to sell something uh, it's all over the place for me so some of the stuff that I'm selling I really wait a long time. There's some items I've, I've been waiting since April 1st when I started this challenge that I'm doing uh, that are still waiting to sell. And they have mm-hmm. interest, but there's no buyers. Uh, other things sell within uh, four or five minutes of posting them. But I would say on average, hmm. maybe maybe two to three weeks if I had to give like a blanket average for everything. Interesting. But it, it, that, that's the thing that blows my mind is because I make I make training videos and DVDs for for cameras, you know, and I, I'm always sitting on inventory, but you're basically doing the same thing. You have inventory. It's just a different product. Uh, are you familiar with bartering? Yes, absolutely. Tell, tell us what the difference is between flipping and bartering. So bartering, I feel like flipping, you're basically just selling things for the dollar value. Bartering is you might be trading an item for another item. You may be trading for an equal value. You might make out and trade up for something of greater value, or you might kind of lose and trade for something of lesser value. Um, I am active in the bartering through Craigslist. That's where I do all of my bartering from, but I don't really, um, I don't integrate that necessarily into my flipping. It's more of like, I want something, you know, I want a four wheeler. So I'll trade a couple things for a four wheeler, you know, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. There was a, a story of a guy who, who had traded, like, I think he started with a paperclip and he, had, he ended up with a house. Did you, did you hear about this guy? I have heard of that guy. Yes. And so that's a, that's a real thing that somebody can actually accomplish if they know what they're doing, as long as they're trading up and they're trying to get more, more and more value. So he, I think he started off with a paperclip and he sold it for, uh, you know, and then that's how he started and he bought something and next thing it was a motorcycle. And, and that's just crazy to me. And, and because of the access that we have to unwanted items at Goodwill or whatever, really anybody can do this. You, you know, what is it? And, and a lot of people know about this. In your opinion, what is it that makes somebody able to do it versus somebody who is not able to do it? What, what are the characteristics or mindsets that, that are required? I think because so much of it is just information on the internet, I think it all boils down to, do you have the chops to wake up and do it? Hmm. Literally start and follow through. Like when someone buys something, ship the item. Don't wait around. Just doing it. Hmm. Like it's not a glamorous thing. I don't think at all that it's a glamorous you know, you're not a lawyer, you're not a brain surgeon. Uh, you're you're selling people's trash essentially hmm. to someone else who counts it as treasure. Yeah. That that's uh 
it, it really comes down to guts and hustle, guts and hustle. And, and there are some individuals who would rather have a, a nine to five job making minimum wage instead of having guts and hustle. The gut side of it is you may, there's a chance you're not going to make anything today. Zero. But there's also a chance that you could make five or six or seven times the amount of money you would be working at Subway or, you know, whatever it is. And in in my opinion, or even more, you know, I don't know, you know, I think, you know, if you, if you, if you really look at what flipping is, it can be anything. It can be cars. It could be real estate. It could be homes. The principle's all the same is that if you buy something and you're able to sell it for more and you can do that consistently, you have a business. And, um, you know, I think that flipping is the ultimate uh, segue from nine to five employment to being an entrepreneur because there's so many things about it that teach, you know, you know, things such as being responsible, like you're talking, just being on top of stuff. If you ship stuff late or you can't communicate with somebody, you're not going to be a very good salesman. You know, it it teaches about profit margins. It teaches about finding value. And I think for kids, it's a great way to teach them how to be business owners I think it's a very easy way to get started if you have a job because you can tinker around with it on the weekend. It's very low commitment. You said you started with five bucks. Anybody can do it. Uh, you, you said Goodwill. You know, there's lots of thrift stores. Uh, have you ever seen that app Let Go where people are, are um, getting rid of their junk on, on that? Have you heard of that app? I have heard of that app. Yes, I use it. I haven't sold anything through it. I just started using it about two weeks ago. Uh, but yes, I have heard of it. And I know people, my father-in-law, um, buys and fixes lawnmowers and then sells them on let go like it's clockwork for him yeah so he's an expert in lawnmowers huh yeah yeah. he's he's great at it that's fascinating what rules do you limit yourself to when purchasing for goods or and you have a system in terms of how much money that you you keep versus reinvest can you tell us a little bit about your system sure so the system works like this you buy something only if you can make three times or greater in revenue when you sell it. Okay. At that point, you take that revenue, you pay your 10% fee to eBay and to eBay or whatever platform you're using. Okay. And uh, and then so you have 90% remaining. That is your gross profits. From that 90%, I will cut that into a hundred. I'll, I'll look at that as a hundred percent now. Sure. And yes. 60% will go back into the business because we want to put more back into the business than we take home. 40% will be our take home. That's interesting. So, okay. Yeah. So this, I mean, it's worked for me really, really well. And it's, I think the sustainable growth pattern for this to all work out correctly, if that makes sense. With that in mind, what would you ballpark some, what can somebody make in a year doing this if they did it full time? You can ballpark it. You don't have to be, you know, just right in the range. I know people right now that are doing this very, very similar to what I'm explaining because this is sort of my formula. Everyone has their own formula, but I know people that are reselling and very similar to this and they're making multiple six figures upwards of 200 to $300,000 a year. That is incredible. As, yeah. It's they're doing very, very well. There was this guy in, I don't remember where he was, but he has like a team of people and they do it a little bit differently. They go into Walmart and they look for like special offers and they'll scan it and they'll find the value online and they'll 
will buy all of them if it's if it ha- if it has this margin and sell it. And he's making, I think he's making a couple million a year. Is have you, have you heard of that guy? I've heard of him. He was featured on the news. Yes, that just that's, I mean, so if if there's a way for you to make you know a few million dollars a year up to, and you're saying you know possibly two or three hundred dollars, that's two or three hundred thousand dollars. That's a that's a pretty good salary. Um, what, you know, what kind of camera gear can somebody, can they use their iPhone for these pictures? Is, is that good enough? It is. So, um, there's one couple that I follow out of Maine and they are phenomenal and their, um, their camera setup, it's mostly all about their lighting. They focus a lot on their lighting so that their iPhone will react correctly to that lighting and all they use is their iphone Mm -hmm. they run their whole operation off of one ipad and two iphones Hmm. and they use airdrop and their pictures look phenomenal they use portrait mode so there's little tricks and things that you can do to make sure that it works correctly the way that it needs to to be able to sell Mm -hmm. i've tried using my iphone and to be honest like for being a photographer i'm not a very good iphone photographer um, so I switched back to my actual DSLR and I'm just more comfortable on it. And, mm-hmm. you know, I leave all my settings the same and I have off camera flashes and I have everything set up to where, boom, all my pictures are the same and they're consistent and it's never wavering. And I think that really makes a huge difference compared to someone who, who's not paying attention to their pictures mm-hmm. and then turning out sort of garbage quality. How important is the picture in the listing? It, it you know, I know they have generic pictures of the product and it just looks like the same that, you know, like the, the manufacturer made, but how important it is, is it to have a picture that you take, you've taken versus one of those generic ones? If you're selling a used item, it, the picture is everything because people want to know exactly what they're getting. If you're selling a brand new item in the package, you can, you can simply go on, uh, you know, on Walmart's website right click and save it to your computer and use that as your listing because it's brand new it makes sense how do you determine free shipping versus no free shipping is there some sort of a rule because if if you have a low price item in and you say free shipping you may not make anything on it right correct and i've lost money on a few items because i made that mistake early on Mm -hmm. um the way i look at shipping is with all of the recent sales, when I'm doing my research, if they all offered free shipping and there's none of them that had paid shipping, I'm going to figure out how I can squeeze free shipping into my listing. Interesting. Because that is sort of what the market has determined is appropriate and acceptable for that particular item. Hmm. Uh, other resellers might see it differently, but that's the way I look at it. Um, and then... With regular charge shipping, I just do eBay's recommended, uh, it says recommended on location of buyer, and then you put in the weight and the dimensions of the item, and then eBay charges the appropriate amount for shipping. You had, if I'm not mistaken, I think it was you, I think on one of your feeds, you were shipping a golf bag, and um, you packaged it. Was this you, or was it somebody else? It was was me. Yeah, that was me. (laughs) And so it was like... This is how you, you and, it was, and, and the technique you used, I was like, wow, that's a really great idea. How did you package a golf bag? Because it was pretty big. How right. You- so they're, <laughs> they're really awkward sizes and you can buy boxes 
So you can either buy, you know, brown boxes from Walmart for 60 cents a piece, or you can get free priority shipping boxes from USPS. And depending on what kind of box you get, you can modify these boxes. And so I would, you know, open a box and tape up the bottom part, set the golf bag in, and then stick another box over the top, slide it down sort of like a, a slip cover, and then do another box, and then make a cap box and tape it all up. And it looks weird. But as long as your as as long as your inches of dimensions don't exceed whatever the USPS legal whatever their rules are, which it wasn't even close, like mm-hmm. it wasn't even close, um, you can ship it that way, and you pay a lot for it. But that's the way I ship it. But on, I think on the golf bag, you charged that cust the customer was actually paying for the shipping in that next. The- they were. In the- I think that one. Um, I charged $21 shipping. I sold the golf bag for 45 plus 21 shipping and it ended up costing 25 shipping. So okay. it was a few bucks, you know, that dipped into my profit margins, but we bought that golf bag, if I'm not mistaken, for $2 or three bucks. Someone was just trying to get rid of it at a garage sale. So it was still a huge profit. What, what do you think it is that makes a person say, this is worth nothing to me. I'm not even going to try to sell it. Like I have stuff that I do this with all the times. I just look at it and I'm like, oh, I don't want to deal with that, you know? But why Why is it that some people don't want to check out eBay? And, are they just too rich? Are they lazy? Uh, I think people are impatient. Huh. So I live in a, in Virginia near the biggest Navy base in the world. And so we have a ton of Navy personnel here and they're always transferring in and transferring out. And oftentimes when these people have to transfer out, uh, they need to sell a lot of their stuff. So they'll have a garage sale and they'll just let things go for, for literal just dollars. Mm-hmm. And we're there to scoop it up helps them out. They get rid of stuff. They make a few bucks. We get inventory. We make more bucks. And I don't think it's so much laziness. Maybe it's, maybe it's people don't really understand how it all works on eBay. Uh, but I think most of the time it's just, they're impatient and they need the money right now. Yeah. What is, what is your long-term goal? Uh, you know, I'm just curious. I have all these questions popping up as we're, as we're talking, but what is your what is your plan? I mean, do you want to do this for the rest? I, I, I kind of, you know, do you, t- you tell me, what do you want to do with this? What's, what's the goal? I love the whole idea and business around reselling. I, I'm a reseller for life. Like I've done the photography thing and the artistic thing. And that was so fun and so good. And I'm still doing it on the side, phasing out, but reselling is where I'm at. And so I see myself moving into uh, you know, getting into reselling homes and apartments mm-hmm. and high-end sports cars. And we're, I mean, so much of our economy is just reselling. If you look at Grant Cardone, he buys an apartment complex, holds onto it for a year, fixes it up, and then sells it. All he's doing is reselling. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing. You know? Yep. It's right. Just, it's the bigger product, bigger the, item. The bigger picture. Yeah. That's, I mean, it's the bigger item. So that is where I see it going. I don't know that I'll sell on eBay for the rest of my career, you know, because there's going to come a time when I want to scale it up, but definitely re- uh, uh, real estate and high end sports cars is, I definitely want to move into that area. <laughs> that would be awesome. 
What what are some of the top tips you can give to to somebody who's just getting started? Maybe you could tell some some more of your failures. I guess uh, the shipping thing could really. I like what you're doing with the packing because I mean, if you're if you're buying the packaging yourself, I mean that's just your profits going out the window. But you know, yeah, USPS supplies all the boxes you could ever want as long as you're shipping with USPS. Um, what what are some of the mistakes that you've made so far? Painful ones. Painful ones. Selling an item at at its current value, but not paying attention to the shipping and then having to pay out of pocket for that. Hmm. Because you got to understand, let's say you sell a $20 item plus $10 shipping, but it takes 25 or 30 bucks to ship the item because it's such heavy brass or something. You still have to pay your eBay fees mm-hmm. for the full 30, for th- full $30. And then you also have to ship that item. And so you're just, there's several items that I'm just in the red on Luckily and thankfully, you know, I make such good profit margins on some of on a lot of my products Mm -hmm. that that sort of takes care of those losses. Um, I feel like that's business. I don't know of anyone that has a 100 percent green record, but um, those are some really painful things. As far as I would say the biggest tip when starting out is research whatever you're going to buy using eBay or whatever app you're selling on because every app has a different market value for that item. It's fascinating that our access to information now, as you're standing in Goodwill or wherever you are, it allows you, you know, the internet and these apps allow you to figure it out if if you don't know about an item. That was something that we didn't have 20 years ago. You couldn't do that before. And, you know, in the past, if you're looking at like Ponce, pawn shop owners, they had to have this like encyclopedia of knowledge of all these little things that they have, they know value about. But now, I mean, it's, it's so easy for somebody who knows what they're doing on their phone just to find out, okay, what is this thing worth? Um, when listing on, on some of these apps, uh, how important is the title? It's so important. And I just had a conversation with a guy that I'm helping on Instagram He's been selling for a month or so. I think he has 15 or 20 items up. And he says, man, Nick, I have none of these have sold. And so he sent me his listings and I looked through them and his titles were missing key key search terms of what they were. He was describing, you know, sort of what the name of the thing was, but he wasn't giving the broad Hmm. sense. So I'll give an example. Um, there was a comic book that he was selling. He gave the name and the issue number and the publisher, which is all very important, but he never included the word comic or comics oh, geez. <laughs> or comic book. And so that is mm-hmm. something, and I fall into this too. I, I will list, you know, Nike, Zoom, Air, Converge 6.0, right, for a shoe that I'm trying to sell. And after two months, I look back at it and I never put men's shoes oh, like the, the two <laughs> things that needed to be there were not there it's easy to um, miss yeah so easy to miss because you get stuck on what the item is and not the broad category of that item let me let me ask you this question about um you know there's a saying it takes money to make money in your opinion is that true or false and why do you feel it's true or false it takes money to make money i don't think that is I don't think that's a very true statement. 
Um, maybe it takes money to make more money, but to start out, it doesn't take anything. So, you know, I started out with five dollars. It's crazy for this challenge that I'm doing. I I I bought a watch on Wish.com for five bucks. I think it was a dollar for the watch and four dollars from shipping for shipping from China to my house. Huh. So five bucks in, sold it for fifteen dollars plus shipping. Hmm. And then I was able to do, you know, do the breakdown, the 60% back in, 40% take home, and just keep doing that week over week. And uh, yeah, so I don't think it takes money to make money. If you're at home and you're like, man, Nick, I don't even have $5, I'm looking around my office and I see 10 things that I can sell for 15 or 20 bucks today to make that capital to start up. That's interesting. Huh. It doesn't take money to make money. It doesn't. No. It sounds to me. It, it sounds like in this conversation, it's, it, what you're saying is it takes the ability to see value where others don't. And um, you know, I have a fun question for you on my list here. Is let's assume you lost everything. You didn't know anybody. Uh, you're, you're literally down to a pair of shorts. You have nothing left. How would you rebuild your life? Assuming. You were not allowed to take handouts. What would you do? It's a really good question because uh, so many people find <laughs> themselves here. Yeah. Uh, and, and maybe not even in this bad of a scenario, but um, the first thing you could do is walk up and down a neighborhood and ask people door to door if you can mow their lawn using their lawnmower hmm. for 10 bucks. You're going to put some sweat equity in it. You know, it, it's mm-hmm. going to cost you something, right? Sure. So I would go to my neighbors and, and, and offer to mow their lawn for $10 or 20 bucks using their mower. Mm, interesting. Do the job. If someone came to my house right now and said, hey, I'll give you tw- or uh, I'll mow your lawn for $20 if you let me use the mower, I would do that in a heartbeat because I don't have time and I don't want to mow my grass. That's interesting. Uh, yeah. That's I think that's point. the way to start and yeah. go from there buy a cheeseburger to give yourself some energy and then <laughs> yeah. go hit up Goodwill, right? <laughs> yeah. Get some clothes, right? Get some clothes. Yep. So that's interesting. You know, I think, I think in the back of everybody's minds is that's, that's like one of the great fears of life is that you become so bankrupt, you have nothing, but it, you know, if you have the knowledge and the willpower in the guts, even if you have nothing, there is a way to start over and it's just, you know, offering services for, for basic tasks that, those who have more money and less time would be willing to pay for. That's what it sounds like. And that's actually a really comforting idea to me to, to know that, you know, is that, yeah, if you lost everything, you could start over. And I would imagine within a, within a few days, you'd be back on your feet and you'd have clothes and some food in your belly if you're willing just to put the effort in. Um, tell us about your top five books or maybe top three entrepreneurial entrepreneurial books of all time. Is there anything that you've read or any, any systems out there that has, has directly impacted you or helped you or your mindset in, in flipping stuff? Sure. So the first two books right off of the bat would be Robert Kiyosaki's Rich Dad, Poor Dad. I was in the Navy and um, a guy that was senior to me said, hey, you know, you really seem like the kind of guy that would enjoy this book. Here's the book. He bought it for me, gave it to me. I read it, I think, in a week or so. Mm-hmm. And it changed my mentality and how 
I thought about money and sort of that um, the abundance mindset and the uh, scarcity mindset, it, it changed a lot of how I looked at things. And I've read it a couple times since then, and that was back in like 2008 or 2010 timeframe. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a classic. And then the second book, yeah, a total classic. Everyone should, like, I don't know of an entrepreneur that hasn't read that book. I think it's sort of required reading, so to speak. Mm-hmm. The second book would be Gary Vaynerchuk's Crush It, which a friend of mine recommended in 2010. And uh, I read that, and that really spoke to me about how we can use the internet to put this mentality into play, right? To market ourselves, to build an audience, build Mm -hmm. some sort of window for people to look through and see us and then start working with us. It it was huge and impactful to me. And then the third book I would say, and this was fresh on my top three list because I just finished this book this week, would be Alex Benayan's The Third Door, which is a book that I messaged him on Instagram. I DM'd him and I I said, Alex, like I literally feel like everything in the universe conspired for you to write this book (laughs) specifically for me. He wrote back and he said, uh, I really feel the same way. The, The way, like because I said this to him, he knows that this book was literally meant for me. And the book is premised around, um, how the biggest business people, entertainers, producers, musicians, and singers, how they got their start in the very, very beginning, how Bill Gates sold his first piece of software when he was working out of his garage, like Mm. the very basic beginner steps. And to see like the way he explains it and to see how uh, these people started it stripped away any excuses that I could ever come up with. Interesting. Right. I don't have a lot of room for excuses. I live in like, we all live in the most amazing age. This is not the industrial age. This is not, you know, a war. Like this is the technology age. We live in the most exciting time in human history to be alive. You can go from zero to a hundred in a week if you know what you're doing. Hmm. So he explained this and it, and it really spoke to me. And I think Alex started, he, he published this book um, a month and a half ago, two months ago, and it, it took him eight years to write it mm-hmm. because yeah. of all the turmoil and, and struggles that he went to, through to uh, get these interviews with the most successful people. So uh, it's a really passionate book about business and and business people. So that is like definitely in my top three. I've never heard of it. It's called The Third Door. I'm going to check it out. It sounds like a wonderful book. Uh, tell us now, you said you, you're coaching somebody. Do you coach other people too? Or do you have any information that my, my listeners might, might want to know if they want to get started? Sure. So I help people out mainly through Instagram. I'm always on Instagram and I DM people and uh, you know, because I get a lot of DMs every day, it takes me a day or two sometimes to get back. But um, right now, I'm just giving free value, just free value, free information, trying to help people as much as possible. One of the things that I have been passing out, and I've had several hundred, I think four or 500 people now take advantage of this, is my selling spreadsheets. So 
I have a projections spreadsheet, which says basically, you know, week number one, whenever you start, uh, buy something for five bucks, sell it for 15, do this with the money, do this. And then week number two, buy something for 625, which is that 60% reinvested mm -hmm. and uh, do this and do that. And so it's a projection spreadsheet. You don't put anything into it. It just sort of like it's to track sort of. Sure. And then the other spreadsheet is um, my sales record spreadsheet. So you'll type in the name of what you sold, what you, uh, the date you sold it, what you paid for it, what you sold it for, and then any shipping supplies or shipping costs associated with it. And then it breaks everything else down for you. It tells you what your fees are, what you need to pay to eBay or, or your apps. Uh, and then what your reinvest is and what your take home is. It breaks everything down. This formula is all integrated into it. Interesting. And so I give those out as a bundle uh, along with an instruction sheet, kind of a, a PDF one page instruction sheet. Great. Uh, to whoever wants them. Like they're, they're free for anyone to use. How do, how do, how do we find, first of all, what's your handle on Instagram for my listeners? If they want to check out some of your listings and some of the things that you're posting, I think I highly recommend it's very inspired. I get inspired every time I see you finding value in a pair of sneakers that nobody wants. You know, how do we find you on Instagram? Sure. So my Instagram handle is Nicholas underscore Woolsey. It's just my name, N-I-C-H-O-L-A-S underscore W-O-O-L-S-E-Y. Um, I'm on there all the time. That's that's the Instagram. Like that's kind of my zone that I stay in. Uh, as far as getting the spreadsheets, if you want those, you can go to my website, nicholaswoolsey.com slash spreadsheets. Uh, you'll put in your name and your email. Give it a few minutes. You'll get an email in your inbox that'll have uh, the downloads all on there. And uh, yeah, it's... Is, does that go to a newsletter list or would you, if you have a new product coming out, would people find out about it or not? Or? They will. Yeah. So I'm working on an, on an ebook or, or sort of a PDF right now to help new resellers get in the game. And it's going to be to cover all of these things that we talked about, you know, sure. um, shipping and listing titles and what apps to use and how to pay your, uh, your fees every day. Mm -hmm. It's going to be cover all this stuff for the beginner, uh, reseller. And so that will go out to those emails of people that, um, that, opt in for these spreadsheets. That would, you know, that would be an amazing product. You know, something that I would, if I had kids, if you made like uh, flipping for kids, I would be the first one in line to buy it because I think the the principles of what you're doing are spectacular for, for entrepreneurs, beginning entrepreneurs. It's low risk. It's easy to get started. You know, it, it's just, it just makes sense to me if, if you're tired of your nine to five job is to check out flipping Nick, thank you so much for coming to the show. Do you have anything else you want to say to my listeners before we let you go? Uh, just one thing. I do have a couple of um, YouTube tutorials on reselling as well as uh, kind of what I'm buying, garage sale hauls and thrift store hauls. So they can follow me on YouTube. My username is just Nicholas Woolsey, all one okay. word. Excellent. Um, yeah, I, I show what I'm buying at garage sales, what they're worth, what I'm flipping them for. Sort of the same thing as Instagram, just way more in depth. Wow. Thank you so much, Nicholas, for your time. I really appreciated you taking, I know you're a busy guy. Uh, it's been fascinating talking with you. I hope we can stay in touch. And thank you everybody for tuning in today and listening. It's the mavennation.com. We will see you next time.